Hey guys, this is Billy Hansen, and welcome to the Lynchburg Neighborhood Podcast. This is a podcast about the Lynchburg area, its people, and its history. I found that the more I get to know my neighbors, really get to know their stories, and the more I understand the history and the backstory and how things work here in Lynchburg, the more connected I feel to this place, and the richer my life becomes. So join me in exploring the Lynchburg neighborhood. Today is June 12th, 2020, and it is great to be alive and living in Lynchburg, Virginia. If you're a regular listener of the show, you know that I say that at the top of every episode. And I want to tell you why. Old-timers from Lynchburg will know that that saying comes from a man named Jimmy Bryan. Jimmy Bryan was uh, the head football coach at EC Glass. Uh, If you listen to the episode about Dr. Owen Cardwell and when he was one of the first uh, two African-American students to desegregate EC Glass, he said that Jimmy Bryan was his football coach and somebody that looked out for him. Jimmy Bryan also went on to be mayor, and that was his slogan. That was something he said all the time at events and in the paper. It's great to be alive and living in Lynchburg, Virginia. The other variation of it that he said was, It's a great day to be alive and living in Lynchburg, Virginia. And then later that phrase was picked up by my dear friend J.P. Vaughn. He knew Jimmy Bryan, and when J.P. ran for city council, he adopted that as his campaign slogan. It's great to be alive and living in Lynchburg, Virginia. So when I say that at the top of each show, it's a callback to a phrase from Lynchburg history. And I think of it in two ways. The first way I think about it is you have the most control over your own attitude of how your day is going to be. And by starting the day saying it's great to be alive and living in Lynchburg, you're setting yourself up for a good day. You're at least increasing your chances of it being a good day, right? We know that attitude is so important. It's one of the only things that we can control. So that's one reason why I say it. The other reason why I say it is I believe it's an aspirational phrase that we as citizens and leaders of Lynchburg aspire to make this a place where it's great to be alive and living. We want Lynchburg to be a place where everyone can wake up and say that. It's great to be alive and living in Lynchburg, Virginia. And that's our hope. And it comes through hard work. It comes through listening. It comes through hearing people's stories. It comes through building relationships and working together with people from all over Lynchburg. Now, if you don't follow Uh, the Lynchburg Neighborhood on social media, I want to point you to a written edition of the Lynchburg Neighborhood podcast that we put out online. And it's a deep dive into the Patterson Drugstore sit-in of 1960. This happened at 1020 Main Street in downtown Lynchburg. And at that time, lunch counters were segregated, and there was a move to do sit-ins to desegregate them. Now, this group of six college students, four white, two black, went into... Patterson's Drugstore, sat down for a cup of coffee, and they ended up in jail. And this post is just a deep dive into that event, um, the aftermath, the trial, the protest, and how it was covered by the newspaper. So if you want to read that, you can go to billyhanson.com or hansonrealtyadvisors.com. And I think it'll be a cool look back into Lynchburg history that has a lot of parallels to what we're seeing today. Okay, so on to our interview for today. This was recorded back in February 
well before, you know, a global pandemic and all the stuff that's been going on in the last three months. And honestly, it feels like it was forever ago. But I think there's some really valuable stuff. It's a conversation about affordable housing with Reed Wodica, the deputy city manager for the city of Lynchburg. For me, this is a really cool opportunity to get to know one of the people who gets to make big decisions and really influence change in our city. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Reed Wodica. All right, so my guest today is Reed Wodica. He's the deputy city manager with the city of Lynchburg. Reed, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. What exactly, first, let's, like, we have something we want to talk about, which is affordable housing, but what does the deputy city manager do? Sure. So, you know, in, in our system of government, um, we, we have what's called the council manager form of government. And so we, of course, have an elected council and, and a mayor that, that serves as a, as a member of the, that body. Yeah. But we also have a city manager who sort of serves as the chief administrative officer, the, the professional, the uh, manager of the organization. Um, and so in my role, I'm, I'm the deputy city manager, the sort of number two person. And uh, in that role, I oversee about half the city departments. Um, it provides strategic leadership to those departments and you know, work on budget development and you know, city vision and strategy and, and sort of leading those departments. So what I oversee um, are community development, okay. uh, economic development and tourism, the fire department, the emergency services department, uh, the parking department downtown, the airport, uh, the city assessor, um, who am I leaving out? Uh, <sighs> a couple of more. Um, I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like a lot. Uh, public works and, and water resources. So, um, so you know, it's, it's really a, a broad array of, of things, but, but really do connect together really well yeah. in the work that we do. And, and so we, we have a really great team that is really dedicated within those departments to, to making uh, this the, really the, the greatest city we possibly can. Mm. Yep. So I'm, that's a lot yeah. on your plate. Like yeah. I'm picturing you average day just in meetings like all day long but like hopping from like one area to another area to another like just yeah. is that what a normal so, day is like yeah so the beautiful thing about my job is that there's there's always a you know, every day is different uh, yeah. so we're dealing with different issues every day um and it's i've been sort of really intentional about making sure that um i try to get out of city hall as much as often as, as i possibly can um so i really you know of course lots of meetings mm-hmm. all the time that certainly is a big part of uh what i do um but I'm I'm also often trying to be out in the field and sometimes even riding the garbage truck. Uh, once really? In a while. Yeah, every once in a while I'll, I'll try to do that. So um, that's that's really the uh, the because I have such great uh, department heads that, that work with me. You know, I don't have to be out sort of managing those day to day operations and and I can do those things and and yeah. be the that's my sort of leadership style, I guess. Yeah. Well, I would think you'd have to right. You'd have to get out and sort of know from the ground up, everyone on your team, right? right. Like, so, and they feel comfortable uh, talking with you, yeah. bringing you good ideas, right? Yeah. So you grew up here mm-hmm. and you went to Glass. Yeah. Young Reed, uh, yeah. walking the halls of Glass, sitting in Glass, could you have pictured that you'd be the deputy city manager? Like, was that like what you were dreaming about yeah. in high school? Like, how, how did no, that happen? Um, so if you talk to any of my teachers uh, at that time, they, um, I, I probably told them all that I... I wanted to be, at the time I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a math teacher. Really? Um, and that certainly would have been a great job too, um, a great career as well. Um, but um, you know, when I was in um, Chip Berry, I don't know if you know Chip, Chip or not. Yeah. Uh, he he taught a political science class so your senior year, and and one of the things he did is he said, you know, we, we got to get out of the classroom. We we're going to go on. We did a number of field trips that year, and 
I got to go to a trip um, to City Hall, uh, yeah. where, we, where we, I go every day now, and uh, we met Kim Payne, and he was the fairly new city manager at the time, and he told us all about the council manager form of government. I said, you know what, maybe I'd be interested in that. Yeah. Um, so I've been sort of interested in that for a while, um, but um, I, I certainly am tremendously honored to be home and be serving the city for sure. Yeah, that's so cool that you get to serve in your hometown, yeah. right? It's it's an unusual thing, and, and I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. So I, I saw that you um, got your Ph.D. Mm-hmm. in public policy from UNC Charlotte, and I'm, that's a big thing. Like, not everybody in local government has that. Like, yeah. that's not... Like, that's going kind of above and beyond, it seems like, um, to me, from the outside. And I'm sure there's a lot of things you learned there that sort of gave you an edge and gave you an an understanding of government on a deeper level. But is there anything that you only could learn from, like, just doing the job? That Like, is there anything that you you didn't learn in school that just, like, from on the job, like, that was the thing that you learned? Yeah, so they didn't teach us how to to ride on the garbage truck, that's for sure. (laughs) That's right. Right? That's right. (laughs) You know... You know, there's um, I sort of bristle at the theory versus practice conversation because I think you can't uh, you can't do one without the other. Right? Sure. You need to understand in, in what we're doing, but there are practical considerations uh, that that relate to the way we do business that you're just not going to know in, in in textbooks or in classrooms that 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 you know are interesting. Hey, how does a water system work? How does a you know sewer system work? How does yeah. how does all these how does all this really connect and fit together? And and so. Um, that's that's been really the 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 really great thing about my career is that I've had uh, these you know whether it's been Lynchburg or in other 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 localities really phenomenal uh, department heads that I've worked mm. with that have been really dedicated to to their their function but also helping me grow as an individual yeah. um, and it's been really fantastic nah, that's awesome uh, and it's certainly the case in Lynchburg as well so there's a bunch of things we could talk about yeah. like there's a bunch of w- directions we could go. But one of the things that we've been really exploring uh, on this podcast is affordable housing. Mm -hmm. And um, that's what I want to talk about today. And I guess last year, beginning of last year, you guys got tasked with trying to find the best practices for affordable housing. It's a conversation that's going on in the city. You and a couple other department heads got tasked to do that. And you came out with a white paper. Mm -hmm. And I remember hearing from housing people who are not in city government, like this kind of buzz, like it was kind of exciting. Like, man, yeah. the city like put a lot of resources, put a lot of time into this. Um, how did that come together? Like yeah. what sparked that? You know, so there was a, there was a, a fairly significant amount of conversation on city council about housing affordability issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll remember beginning of, of 2019, there was a report by what called the housing collaborative, which is a, a multidisciplinary group yeah. of folks that are interested in housing policy in the city. Uh, particularly related to affordable housing, and they they presented a report that indicated that there was um, you know a couple thousand uh, unit deficit of of affordable housing units in the city, mm-hmm. and then the conversation began. Okay, well that's that's important to know, but what what is the next step, right? And so the so the the impetus for this work was okay. What are the policy recommendations? So if so, should city council really want to tackle? Um, housing affordability challenges in the community, what are the steps that you, we need to take to, to sort of get there? Um, because that's a really complicated problem. Right. right? Yeah. You know, and there's, you know, and, and you have an ultimate question is, is really that the, is that government's role? Um, and that's, that's the bigger philosophical question. I think, yeah. I think we've sort of said with um, uh, this work and the work that we've been doing that, you know, we don't exactly know exactly what that role is, but it is, it is at least some component of our responsibility for sure. Yeah. 
And so you guys got together. You're working on this white paper, which is very detailed. If you um, haven't read it and you're interested, if you're a nerd like me, and I think you, oh, yeah, like, sure. um, you can find it, I believe, on the City of Lynchburg website. Mm-hmm. You can read the whole thing. I think it's like 40 pages. That's right. There's a lot of data. There's a lot of um, footnotes and links back to other uh, practices and readings, but it's really, really detailed. Was there a certain part of that that you really worked on that, yeah. or that was kind of your area of responsibility? Yeah, so I, I have a really strong interest in really doing that uh, more precise assessment of what what is the housing need in the city. Yeah. And I think um, you know one of my <laughs> sort of diatribes that I think probably people get tired of hearing is that you know the, the city is a, is a diverse place geographically, topographically, uh, socioeconomically, et cetera, different parts of the city need different things. And so mm. there, uh, so when, when we think about assessment of, of needs of affordable housing, you know, in, in the paper we talk about, there is a sort of standard metric that the federal government uses that says, basically, if you are spending more than 30% of your income on housing, then you're, then you're spending too much money. And that's, that's a good sort of big picture metric. But the question then becomes, well, what does that actually mean for public policy on a neighborhood scale? Mm-hmm. And my interest, I, you know, what I, what I worked on quite a bit was thinking about what are different ways that we can assess neighborhood by neighborhood, uh, you know, throughout the city, uh, what the specific needs are in, in those neighborhoods, and think about how that connects to the labor market and, and what opportunities people have. Um, so I'm really, you know, pretty interested in that. And, and that, I think, uh, to me, is, is a way that we think about uh, how do we craft public policy in a way that is actually that is more meaningful and more effective um, as a result? Yeah. So there, I guess there's two layers there. There's having the metrics for deciding on what policy should be, and right. then having metrics to see if the policy is successful. Right. There's policy that informs, and then there's poli- there's data that informs, and there's data that really tracks. Like, how are we doing? Sure. Um, is there a, a data point that you just wish you had? Like, that's always frustrating for me. Like I work in data, like I'm always trying to analyze real estate values and I'm like, man, there's always some data that like I make a data wish list when I start a project and I usually can't get, but like 10% of it. But I kind of think, what would I love to know that I don't know? Is there something for you about affordable housing, man? You're like, "Ah, I wish I, wish I had this. We don't have it, but I wish I did. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, in I wish there was a, a little bit more, maybe not as, the, the probably this data does exist, but maybe in a little bit more uh, detailed way that we could tell is where, where are people, where are people going and where, what are they doing in their neighborhoods? Uh, like where are they working and where, you know, right. Yeah. Um, because you, you have this goal of saying that people should be able to thrive in, in where they live. Right. Yeah. Um, and hopefully in the city. Um, and we know that there are probably certain places in the city where that's pretty challenging. Um, and sometimes that's transportation related. Sometimes there's just not access to employment uh, where they are. And, and, and of course, all of this, all of these issues are, are systematic. that come together to 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 help us understand how people thrive uh, in their lives. Yeah. Um, so housing is, is a tremendously important part of that, but also is in, in, in employment, which also connects to housing and, and right. Um, and so, if I, I wish we had a, a better, more granular understanding of. Um, where where are people going? What are people doing? Um, and, and so how do we um, help people thrive in place? Mm, right? Yeah. Yeah. The idea being that, like, there's a couple different m- moves that you're making, right? You're going to school. Right. You're going to work. 
you're going to cultural things, whether that's church or, you know, there's mm-hmm. things that you do in your life, third places, like where are the breakdowns? Yeah. And yeah, that makes sense. And what, what are the missing components, right, in, in a yeah. neighborhood? Because housing, I mean, the, the physical structure and how much you're spending on housing and that, that's important. But, but you know, your home is more than just your, your physical space. It's, it's the environment that's around you. It's the, the people that you interact with, hopefully, on, yeah, as neighbors. Um, uh, and so that's yeah. really was, was there anything from the research in the white paper maybe you did or somebody else did that was, like, surprising to you? Like, it came back and you're like, wow, that's kind of interesting. Like, I didn't know that. Yeah, so I, I'm, well, uh, you, you mean as far as like, like Lynchburg goes. Yeah, or just yeah. in policy, just something yeah. that was, like, really like a, wow. Yeah, so I think there's some really interesting things that are going on in other cities, and I, you know, that are really creative uh, types of projects um, that that I, I guess I just was not aware of until we did the work. Um, so there are places that are really focusing in, for instance, on making sure that public public workers, uh, so, so people who are working for local government in particular, mm-hmm. um, have access to housing in the community that they're working in. So as you can imagine, in places that have really high housing costs, you know, you're still working for local government. You might be making a little bit more money in Fairfax than you are in Lynchburg, you know, working for the county, but it's still really expensive to live there. And so there, yeah. there are probably lots of people who are not uh, able to live there. And so, you know, there's, there's places like Chapel Hill, North Carolina that have helped with uh, down payment assistance for mm. certain town employees uh, for the town of Chapel Hill. Um, that's really interesting, uh, that, that, uh, and, or, or even rent, uh, rental assistance. Yeah. And so what that does in that community is that you have really stable people that are going to live in the community that, are, that have the potential to be pillars of the community, you know, police officers, firefighters, uh, teachers, and that sort of thing that in many places may be, it may be very difficult uh, to live in the community that you're serving. Yeah. Um, and I think we have a little bit of that in the city. And we know that a lot of city employees uh, do live outside of the city, and that's, that's for various reasons. But we do, you know, I, I certainly would hope that we would have the ability for people to uh, live in the city and in, in, in the place that they serve. Hmm. Yeah, and, it, and I imagine some of that comes back to sort of the way we have cities and counties in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, like there's a lot of resources and a lot of infrastructure that the city does. Mm-hmm. When not that far away, there's a ton of counties, right? right. Like there, yeah. it seems like that's a little different here in Virginia than maybe in another state, yeah. where they kind of swallow up, like they're kind of one in the same, I guess. Right. Okay, so at the end of the paper, you guys had ten policy recommendations. Yes. Yeah. Was there one that stuck out to you, like, man, that's low hanging fruit? Like we can do that. Yep. Yeah. We can go after that one pretty easily. Yeah. So like, two. Quickly. Yeah. So two of them we've already done. Okay. Um, two right. of them are related to we need to cast a vision for what housing policy in Lynchburg is going to be. Hmm. Um, so we've got to get we've gotten together with um, the housing collaborative, the city's housing collaborative, which is made up of, um, of course, city folks, you know, uh, our zoning administrator, um, as well as the housing authority and Miriam's House and Habitat and Rush Homes and a few other people. Got together with them drafted sort of a vision statement with uh, with what um, what we think housing policy ought to look like in, yeah. in, in, in the city. The second recommendation was that we need to expand that housing collaborative. And so we've said, you know, we've got a lot of folks that are doing um, true affordable housing work that are on that on that group, right? So um, Habitat is doing phenomenal work, yeah. right? Um, uh, you know, Rush Homes is doing phenomenal work. But if we want to have a bigger conversation about housing affordability, particularly as it relates to uh, sort of middle-income, uh, you know, workforce housing as opposed to um, 
or sort of limited conversation on sort of low-income housing, mm. then we need to be thinking about uh, private lending institutions, and they need to have a voice. We need to have a realtor uh, that's yeah. that's a part of that conversation uh, that's doing that, you know, just market rate kind of work. And so there needs to be that advice for, for people, uh, you know, like yourself that, that know that, that field. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're starting to, so we've, we've, we've identified the, 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 the folk, the uh, professions of people that we need to have on the group. We haven't gotten that group together yet. Um, and so as, as we go forth, um, by the, our, our goal is by the end of the fiscal year in June 30th is to have sort of a draft, um, strategy for where we're going with housing. And so we're going to take these 10 goals that are, that are really key. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, um, what will be, what will be really key in the future is the, the conversation about the housing trust fund. Um, because oftentimes yeah. public policy doesn't really become real until there's money involved. And so exactly what that looks like, I, I, I don't know. I think there's a yeah. lot of different, different ways we could go about doing that. There should be probably be part, uh, private money in that. Maybe there's going to be public money in that. And, you know, that, that depends in the future on what's, what's possible. Um, you know, that this, this will be, this will some, be something that sort of develops over a number of years. Um, but I think oftentimes until you start putting money next to public policy, it, it oftentimes is just words on a paper sometimes. Yeah. So let's talk about the housing trust fund. What, yeah. what exactly would that look like? That would be yeah. new money, uh, government money, public yeah. money. Like what would that what would so it be? The, what would it, and what would it be spent on? Yeah. So the, the, so the first thing I'll say is, I don't know. Right. Right. Uh, and so we haven't defined that policy yet. So, you know, I think, um, generally speaking, what housing trust funds will do is sometimes they take public money. Sometimes there's private philanthropic money. Sometimes there is private investment money that's, that's going into these, these places, uh, into these funds. Um, and so what it can do, what you can do with those money, those funds, um, we can oftentimes supplement federal money that comes in through, um, our CDBG and home, uh, yeah. money. So community development block, block grant, uh, program, which is a federal fund, federal program. Um, it can help, help, you know, sort of leverage, uh, that money to, you know, rehabilitate, uh, housing that's there. Um, it can be literally construction of, it could potentially be literally construction of new housing in a market that otherwise would not, uh, the market would otherwise not bear out. Yeah. Um, so it can it's sort of prime the pump for uh, housing development and redevelopment in certain parts of the city. Yeah. So if we look at the city and kind of what where the funds are now, there's CDBG, mm-hmm. there's HOME, which are programs that you guys administer. So right. money, I assume, comes from federal government, That's probably right. HUD. Yep. And then you guys administer that every year. And one of the th- ways that you can impact affordable housing is administering that in an effective and efficient That's way, right? right? Yeah. Like these, they've entrusted us with these dollars. Let's not blow them. Let's, right. let's put them yeah. in high-value spots. Um, and then there's Section 8 in public housing mm-hmm. that goes through the Housing Authority, which is quasi-city. Like, it's always weird to me. Like, they're right, right. city, but they're not. Yeah. Um, and they're just kind of administering those funds responsibly. And then you've got a couple programs in-house that are sort of tax abatements, where right. you're not giving money, but you are foregoing tax right. revenue. So I would look at that as that's, right. that's the city giving money, right? That's, that's right. local dollars. Are there any other... I was trying to look at a budget. Like, are there any other local dollars that I'm missing or, like... Yeah. So the only streams. the only direct local dollars that we would would characterize are those are those tax abatement programs. Right. So we have the uh, real estate rehabilitation program, which is um, you know allows people in certain circumstances if you do 
significant yeah. uh, improvements to a re- to a residence, then you can abate the net new taxes, uh, yeah. the net new value um, of the home for 15 years. Right? There, there are certain rules that, that surround that. Um, you know, so that's a that's been a really effective uh, in certain parts of the city. And in, in, in the paper, you can see where that's been done and how effective that's yeah. been. Um, we also have the infill development program, uh, which um, is, is sort of another similar kind of program that um, is designed to take vacant property and, and turn it into turn it into useful us, yeah. usable property. Um, and so those are really great, and they um, they have a lot of there's a lot of work to be done to continue. We think one of the things we wrote about in the paper was we said, you know, those those both of those programs are great, and in particular, we think we need. Uh, one of our goals is to expand the use of the real estate rehabilitation program because mm-hmm. even though um, you know that's not like providing you know money to you to to get to get housing, yeah. it is providing it's putting something on the market where we have uh, quality housing, and that's an important part of the conversation. Quality housing, yeah. but not raising the cost uh, for folks. Yeah. Um, so of course, after fifteen years or so, that 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 can sort of change, but. Hmm. There's on on the uh, on the on the tax rolls that that it'll come back. Yeah, and would it so would a housing trust fund? It seems like housing trust fund would be local dollars, local tax dollars coming in and supplementing. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like a lot of ways, like either through maybe a new tax on recording fees right. or something like that. Is that what? Is that where you've seen in other cities? Yeah. So there. So there. Um, yeah. So other cities have done recordation taxes that are that are that are. They're different. Other places have, have yeah. done a percentage on the sales tax. You know, lots of different ways you could do that. And again, uh, so some of that might be local tax money. And I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like in the future if, if we do it, right? Yeah. Uh, but it could. There's oftentimes philanthropic money that comes in um, as well that that you know people donate uh, large sums of money to help yeah. with housing housing programs in a, in a community. Um, and there's also private investment. So there's, there's lots of different ways that, that will, that will come. I don't know that I think that, um, it's entirely up to the city to do it and it shouldn't be to it. So, I mean, there's gotta yeah. be, there's gotta be, this has gotta be a community wide conversation. Yeah, I think so. And I think what's interesting about the rehab programs and some of the tax abatement programs is they're not going to make a terrible project suddenly become feasible, but they right. may make a really close project make the difference right right and that's what you want you know if rush Holmes is doing something and it pushes it from being just on the margin to just over saying so get it done yeah like that's what you want to be just kind of that tipping point right um where you don't have to carry it all right you don't have to carry the whole load um the other thing i'm curious about is there's dollars programs where it's going to be throw money you got to throw money at it which is i would think harder to get across politically yeah right there's gonna be a lot of political will to be like New tax, sure. new money going to something else when we already have, like, it's always a tight budget, right? Absolutely. So I was thinking about, like, what are the policy changes that are revenue neutral mm-hmm. that stick out? Like, I, and I think of zoning. Yeah. Like, that's one where it really doesn't, other than maybe enforcement or policing it, right. like some zoning changes. Are, are there any zoning changes from the white paper that yeah. stood out? So, so we talk about, uh, in the white paper, we talk about the concept of, of inclusionary zoning. Um, and that is basically the concept that we would require that, you know, in, in new developments, for instance, that there would be um, so a certain number of, of units that are uh, reserved as sort of affordable um, units. So, so we're thinking about mixed income kind of kinds of developments. That, that hasn't been one of our recommendations at this point. Um, right. We think it's a great thing. Um, you know, it, it is it is authorized by the state to do that. 
but um, we, at this point, we think that that's sort of ad more administratively burdensome than I think we probably have the capacity to take yeah. care of right now. Um, because of the, because, you know, you have to continue to follow up and make sure that that's being fulfilled and, and that sort of thing. So that's, that's one of the things we explore in the paper. Um, and I think, you know, potentially has, has some merit for conversation yeah. in the future. Um, but it's not been something we've recommended at this point, uh, yeah. to go forward with, um, just because we were trying to make everything we're doing feasible as well. Yeah. One of the ones I see in really highly developed, I would say where there's huge affordability challenges in cities, um, with big challenges is this push to end single family zoning, mm -hmm. right? This yeah. happened. It's a conversation that's happening a lot. Um, I don't think it's spread across the whole country, no. um, but it is a conversation where there's, you see it happening right. where um, basically kind of get rid of R1 right. and everything's R2, R3. So everywhere there's a house, there could be a duplex or a triplex. Mm -hmm. And then the other push I see is for ADUs for accessory dwelling units. Mm -hmm. So we're at my house right now. I've got a little extra land. Right. I could build a little house and rent it or have yeah. a family member live there or have some other household living there. And that seems like an interesting way that really doesn't cost anything. Right. Is that allowed in the city? Yeah. So so in certain uh, certain zoning districts, it is allowed, uh, residential yeah. zoning districts. So um, that's, that's certainly an opportunity that people have in Lynchburg already. Yeah. And so just a, a little tip here, and I think Reed would back me up. Before you do anything, you <laughs> should go talk with Kevin Henry or someone in the zoning or yeah. planning office to make sure. Yeah. Because you can read the code and it's very complex. I want to say it's like 400 pages. <laughs> Before you do anything, go ask. Yeah, They're go very ask, helpful. Kevin. Kevin's fantastic. So. Okay. Yeah. So we're not going to commit to anything yeah. here about <laughs> yeah, what you can right. and can't build. That's right. Um, all right. So continuing with zoning, the challenge I see as a broker so I represent clients who are looking for land to do new development, right? That may be commercial, want to put up a doctor's office, or they want to build an apartment community, an affordable housing apartment community. And there's such a lack of R4 land. Like if you yeah. look at an R4 zoning map, if you look at the zoning map and you look for R4, like there's not much that hasn't been built on or that's not like topographically challenged, like that's a right. lot of things. Yeah. I think I see that as a real challenge just from my side, the private side. Like yeah. if you even if you wanted to build something, where would you do it? Yeah. And, and I think that's a challenge with pretty much every single uh, zoning district that we have. Right. Yeah. We just don't have that much land in the city um, because, you know, you know, we're, we're sort of landlocked. Right. Uh, we yeah. we, um, uh, you know, um, same conversation, I think, could be had about commercial development and yeah. that sort of thing. So I think in the long run, um, that's the serious conversation will be in certain places we will have to revitalize neighborhoods um, and, and do so in a way that is respectful of making sure that people can can, can stay in place yeah. and make sure, that the, make sure the quality of the neighborhoods continues to improve. Yeah. So one of the things that stick out to me is that the city owns a lot of land mm. right like the city just has a lot of land that they own personally i know the city itself we're landlocked and we have a right. fixed amount of land but you as the city own a lot of land mm -hmm. own a lot of properties and has there been any push to kind of look internally and sort of do an yeah. inventory and everything you got and be like you could go sell it on the private market let's get right. top dollar for it trying to sell it to somebody else but what if we found an affordable housing partner yeah. that had some other interests for us that we can, it's meeting sure. a stated goal. Maybe we can deliver this land at a affordable price 
to the developer. Yeah. Um, with some things in place like it's got to be affordable housing for x amount of years kind of like litec programs and other programs uh is that could that happen yeah so i think the thing is you know we own a lot of property and a lot of land um a lot of property right uh we don't have a tremendous amount of property that we own that is just vacant there are there are some properties that um sort of out wigington road and um, some areas that are pretty large that um the economic development authority owns and that sort of thing those those are those should be used uh, in the future but um, you know, most of our, you know, our 95 buildings that we own, uh, just on the city side of things. And of course the schools, uh, mm-hmm. we own the school buildings as well. And so, um, you know, those, those are not, uh, right. not going anywhere. Right. right. <laughs> so, um, so most of the, most, uh, you know, most of the, the, uh, the, the property that we do, the city does own is, is not sort of just vacant land at yeah. this point. Um, and in the vacant land that we do own oftentimes are just, you know, that has, you know, has been, take it back as far as tax sales and things like that goes, but they're usually a small sliver of land that's not really that useful. Um, so that's, that's really a challenge that we have in the city is, you know, we, you know, again, we, we do own a lot of properties, but, um, you know, most of it is sort of spoken for. Yeah. Um, so speaking of land, the other idea that I find really intriguing that I see in other areas is the idea of a land bank. Mm -hmm. So if you think about a housing trust fund as money pooled for affordable housing, the idea that, really intrigues me is this idea of a land bank where you start gathering parcels that don't have a lot of use for somebody for for whatever reason Mm -hmm. maybe it's excess land from a development or something like that or just some excess parcels and sometimes it's public and sometimes it's private and sometimes it's public private it's in the middle but they gather land for future use and the idea is we're going to take all this land in and then eventually be good stewards of this land. Yeah. And in 20 years, development patterns can patterns can change, and this land may be really where we need something, and we're going to be glad that we all have it. That's right. Has um, that idea? So you know we haven't you know we haven't really um, explored or recommended that idea at this point. I think we're trying to keep as much land on the tax rolls as we possibly can. Um, you know, um, we want to do all these things, right? That's true, yeah. yeah. We want to, we want to, we want to do lots of things in the community, and uh, of course, our 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 most important revenue sources are real estate tax. So, yeah. um, so that that's really important for us. And so, um, uh, you know, so we haven't we haven't explored that in any detail. We certainly has been part of the conversation, but it hasn't been part of the recommendation at this point, and it certainly you know could be in the future. Yeah. So. You mentioned the tax rolls. I have no sense. Like, what is the city of Lynchburg's budget? Like, how much do you guys? Yeah. So, so all funds, um, including the capital fund, a capital uh, plan, next year will be about three hundred fifty million. Okay. And how much of that comes from real estate? Um, it's about so it's about sixty million. That's it. That. Yeah. Let me look at that real quick. But um, that's your biggest one. Yeah. But so remember the three fifty also includes water and sewer and stormwater, so they're they're pretty big. Yeah, um, let me make sure I'm not getting that confused with another locality. Okay, so we took a short break so Reed could look up the actual number, and it ended up being sixty two point eight million. So he was really really close with just an off the cuff guess, which I'm impressed by. And I started to tell him about sort of a tension that I feel, which is we have this goal of affordable housing that's affordable to everyone, and then at the same time. When you're in real estate and you have a client who's selling their house or their commercial building, your goal is to get as much as you can for the property. And so there is kind of this tension of the macro goal and then micro actions, right? So 
I asked him, does the city ever have that tension where they want affordable housing, but also their biggest income producer is real estate taxes. So if values went down, then their tax revenue would go down. So do they ever feel that sort of tension or, or conflict? Reed said that he understands that tension and that it is a conversation that comes up at the local government level. And then he had a final thought that I thought really hit at what the core issue was. Let's pick it back up there. Yes, right. You know Absolutely. what I mean? Like there's a mix of incentives there. Absolutely. So so it's about um, it's about making sure that the market the market forces are working for everybody, right? Yeah. But part of this is, and I think I think there's a lot of conversation about this, is, and, and this is really important, is that housing on its own is is an insufficient conversation about a thriving community, right? Mm. It can't just be about housing affordability. We have to make sure that we're thinking about making sure that people are growing their incomes and have have marketable skills so that they can work, right? I mean, that, yeah. and, and continue to make make more money uh, and, and 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 thrive in their in their communities. So one of the really important things I think is, as as housing, uh, as housing affordability conversation goes forth, is that we not only think about the actual market forces, but also in the neighborhoods where we're doing some of this work, uh, in in the developments where we're doing some of this work, there has to be a conversation about wraparound services that help people, uh, help people thrive in mm. in their own way, right? Um, so. Um, we have to realize that there are different, you know, different parts, different people in our city, different parts of our city have different needs and that's okay. Uh, so my personal needs are very different than maybe your needs. And, and if somebody is having housing security issues, there's a pretty good chance they're probably having some other challenges, whether it be social or whatever, um, or, you know, uh, you know, access to, you know, basic services that they may, they may need wraparound services to help, help create that stability in their lives. Um, that makes housing uh, housing secure for a long the long term. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good. Yeah, there's a lot of like, we talk about housing, but there are a lot of interrelated that's right. issues. Yeah. So all of these things are, you, you know, it's it's a lot about housing, but it's also about um, thinking. You know, housing is sort of the core base need, right? And in, in, in doing safe and secure and, and affordable, but but in order to be to maintain that over the long run, people have to have stability, other stabilities in their lives. Mm. And, and so that's really kind of the, one of our other conversations is about how, you know, we ensure, you know, or make, make sure that there is opportunities for childcare and there's, you know, work opportunities and, you know, there's healthcare and mental health care and yeah. lots of things that, that in some of the parts of our city may be lacking. Yeah. So one of the things that, that you can kind of see on the horizon as being an issue is, that we have four public housing developments in Lynchburg with the Housing Authority, yeah. and two of them are from the '60s. Yeah, and everything kind of has this like an age life, like they're just, yeah. and it happens at housing authorities around the country that some of them just get so old that they're difficult to maintain. They were built in a different time. Right. I know the housing authority is separate, but that seems like what do you do as those things sort of age and become sort of age out? Yeah. So I, I don't. I certainly can't speak on behalf of the housing authority on their strategy. Yeah going forth, but obviously, um, best practices would, would tell us that, um, you know, where possible mixed income development is a good thing. Um, making sure that people are, you know, we are, we are around different types of people and diverse, diverse types of people, mm-hmm. um, and lots of opportunities and making sure that where we do have, um, those locations, again, we, we think about how, what, what are those wraparound services look like, yeah. um, and making sure that people have access to the, to what they need. Um, so I think yeah. it's, you know. It's sort of a challenging, 
It's a big, big, big conversation, right? Yeah. Well, a lot of them get redeveloped. It looks like. Yeah. Like in other cities, they get redeveloped into something new. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in Colorado. I was in Denver, and they were doing that. Mm-hmm. There was an old house, and it was becoming a mixed use. Right. There was going to be condos, and then it was still going to be affordable housing. It was going to be mixed income. Yeah. And you see that happening in Richmond right now, and um, you know you could envision that happening here. Like sure. That being one of those sites that. If it's going to be redeveloped, how do we redevelop it in a smart way? Sure. City's probably going to have a lot to say on, like, hey, what do we want to see here? Right. Um, and, and, you know, um, thinking about making sure as people, if, if people are displaced, where making sure that they're taken care of in the long run. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so there's been, I feel like, more talk about affordable housing in the last year. I, I understand there's this effect of me thinking about it and I'm hearing about it more, but it really genuinely feels like there's been a push yeah. within the city and within community leaders to talk about it. Um, but one of the things I'm sort of worried about is we've got the city manager, Bonnie's virtue, who I love is retiring mm-hmm. and Don Fagan, who was the executive director of the housing authority, yeah. um, uh, left to t- take a different job right. in December. And I'm like, Oh man, we've got like these two sort of leaders of that. Yeah. How does, do we lose steam or does this become, that one time, remember that one year we talked about housing a lot? You know what I mean? Like it happens in city government or yeah, governments sure. anywhere. Sure. Like how do we keep that from not happening? Yeah, sure. So um, so first of all, those both of those two women are um, tremendous people. And, yeah, and yeah. They're, they're certainly both both uh, both a huge, their, their departures have been both a huge loss uh, for the city. I know that um, Bonnie is not going anywhere. I, I'm sure we'll put her to work in some way in, right. in, in the community, I hope. Uh, I know she will. Um but as I mentioned before, I think we, um, because of the work that we've done with the this 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 work, um, as well as we've included into what we're calling the Lynchburg Plan, which is uh, sort of a five-year um, work plan to achieve a number of council's goals. Mm. Um, and so one of those goals is that we really dial into a strategy on housing affordability in the city. And and again, this is affordable housing, but it's workforce housing, it's attainable housing. Um, you know really think about that housing policy strategy um, as we go forth. So, so even those, those two, two folks are, are, are departing. We have a, we have a really core group of people that are, that are really dedicated to this, at least this conversation and making sure that um, that conversation continues to go forth. And so there's there's quite a few people that are involved in this really. Um, And so um, on the city side, um, I'm, I'm certainly involved in it. Kevin Henry is again, our zoning administrator, great, great person. Um, he's sort of taking the lead um, on some of this work um, as well. And so um, Kent White, who's our community development director, is, you know, of course, one of the most professional and thoughtful people I know. And mm. he's really interested in, in doing it and so in doing some of this work. And so, um, you know, I'm, I feel confident that we will continue the conversation. It may change, of course, as, you know, different, you know, Housing uh, um, housing authority directors may change. We we may rethink some of this strategy, and that's okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, but um, we, we will, it will continue to evolve, and 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 I feel very confident that that the work that we've done this past year or so will will really inform the future and, and you know drive a lot of our decision making. That's great. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that you said. You said um, affordable housing, attainable housing, and mm-hmm. workforce housing. Yeah. And I thought this was interesting from the report that language matters. And yeah. what, what are those different 
what do those things yeah. mean for you guys when you're using this context? Yeah, so I think it's surprising I to some people. But. Yeah, so I don't know that um, I don't know if there's any official definition. I think yeah. <laughs> that, that yeah. I know of anyway. I think you know what we're trying to do is um, you know the reality is that what uh, I mentioned before what we don't what we don't want to do is recreate some of the the difficult situations that were created through some of those big city um, you know public housing. Spaces and so I think sometimes when people hear that, hear the affordable housing quote unquote term, they're thinking that's they're thinking public housing that are that are pretty tough, right? That yeah. that in many cases in many cities, um, the city had just sort of abandoned and people were living there. And um, when they would call for the police or the nine or nine or uh, you know EMS to help, they just wouldn't come. And things mm-hmm. not not in this city, but but other cities, of course, uh, that that those sort of things did occur, run by gangs and those sort of, those sort of things. So. That's not what we're looking for, right? We 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 want there to be market driven, um, to to the extent possible, um, housing that that people who do, who work, uh, you know, or who are in the workforce can afford in the city, um, that they are able to thrive there, um, that is is not segregated um, mm. by any discernible means, right? So racial or socioeconomic or whatever, yeah. where possible, and so. Um, that's where we think about that attainable perspective is that everybody has equal opportunity to to be a part of that that community every community. Yeah, and what is the workforce housing? That yeah. seems to have its kind of a specific definition of eighty yeah. percent um, of. Yeah, so different areas. So um, for, for um, area median income, so or AMI. Yeah. So there's fifty, so eighty, fifty, and thirty percent depending on um, where you are, where you stand. And so we we think about that workforce. Uh, component as being um, somebody who makes uh, or brings home every year 80 to 100 percent of that area median income and that, that number is defined by the federal government yeah um, so the, the that's what we sort of call the sort of middle class quote yeah. unquote right and so these are people oftentimes we're thinking about um, many of the public sector employees local government employees there's firefighters police officers public works employees uh, you know often you know nurses and things like those those sorts of professions that um, uh, you have have high callings and um, you but but very much um, that eighty to hundred percent AMI uh, type pay and we want to make sure that those folks um, along with lots of other folks um, have the capacity to to live in Lynchburg and, and to enjoy it like you and I do. Yeah. Okay, so I've got three questions that aren't about affordable housing. Okay. If that's all right. Yeah. Um, I have like some crazy ideas sometimes for my clients. Yeah. Okay. about what they should do for development or an investment. Okay. And I have a bunch of really good ideas that are very sound that would check out. But then I got some, like I got a couple that are crazy and I keep pitching them and I'm like, this isn't a good idea. And everyone's like, no, this is a crazy idea. Like it doesn't okay. make any sense. I don't think it's going to work. But I secretly think this is a really great idea. Yeah. Like you guys are missing out. And I'm sure you bring a lot of great ideas. Is there one crazy idea that everyone at City Hall is like, man, Reed, like that's just... Not gonna work, but it's secretly you're like, man, this would be so good. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> I know that's a hard question. Um, and you can take your time. Yeah. And you can not answer it if you, yeah. if you don't have an answer for it. Um, gosh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's all right. I should have gave yeah. you that one in advance. Yeah. You can say pass if you want. I'll let it. Let down. me let me think about it, and then maybe we'll come back to it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It, so, I imagine your job's kind of challenging. Mm-hmm. It's got ups and downs. You got some wins, and you got some stuff that oh man, we really 
you know that was that was tough yeah. um in the last year or so or since you've been on the job has there been a moment or a win or something that happened and you're like ah yeah that's why i do this right like this is yeah. this is why i'm doing this job this is going to help me get through some of those times that are a little challenging is there anything that like that that happened you know um this is probably kind of a um silly one but um it's okay yeah so or at least sort of maybe a little trite or something but um <laughs> so you know um i i really um i i i really like to do sort of innovative work and do lots of this policy kind of conversation yeah. but i also really like to think about um think about how we do public services basic public services really well mm. right because i think that's that that is such a tremendously important part of how we do um um how we do good work um and so one of the things we we're, we've been working on for the last year or so is re-engineering of our trash collection in the city right? love it so um it, like you called me a nerd before and i think that's true <laughs> <laughs> i already love where this yeah, is going yeah yeah so you know we we have spent you know the better part of a year analyzing how how we pick up trash and that's to include you know the weekly trash that everybody, everybody gets um but also what we call brush and bulk so you'll see throughout the city large piles of of trash right where yeah. that people have cleaned out a house or something um which you know frankly in the last number of years has been sort of wild west right where people just put stuff on the street and we come get it and it there's been some it. gigantic right. piles <laughs> but it might be like a couple of weeks before we get there yeah. and so you know we have we have um we've been working to re-engineer that entire process and yeah. one of those things we are doing is um scheduling um changing the schedule about how um we're doing that big brush and bulk pickup so we're you know to say instead of just saying just do whatever you want right we, we say here's when here's when you put it out and um here's where i come get come get it and that week yeah. and so it doesn't sit on the street for five weeks at, yeah. at certain times so we sort of done a, a soft rollout of of this process and so instead of really enforcing it and, and saying like that we're, we're starting to go out and do our collection cycles of the bulk pickup um using this method and it is actually working right <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so, which is cool right yeah. um there's certainly we're certainly not 100 percent. and once we get the regulatory environment and where it needs to be to say hey you know actually you have to do this right yeah. um but it's but it's you know we're we're you know oftentimes we we were having guys and ladies who were working on those was, we call them knuckle boom trucks that are yeah. you need to go around and pick up the brush and the bulk. I mean, I, I was I went to dinner one Saturday night, probably in September, and it was Saturday night, and they were the guys were working overtime just to try to keep up, and it was 8 p.m. as I was coming home from dinner. I'm like, gosh, guys, that's terrible. We've got to change the system, yeah. and so there's still a lot, still that stuff going on, but um, because we're able to be more efficient and really hitting certain areas of the city at one time where we can all work together, yeah, it's kind of working. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's got some ways to go, but it's, it's like, man, that's nice that this has worked, you know? No, I love that. Yeah. I love that that's your answer too. Yeah. Like it's taking something that's sort of a basic city service, but a lot of people feel the impact of. Yeah. And making it excellent. Right. Like really thinking about it and then being able to do it. Yep. Um, yeah. figure out like the logistics of it. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I love it. So we have a ways to go before it's all it's all cleaned up, so to say, so to speak, right? Uh, but it's uh, but I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what what's your next one you want to tackle? Well, now that I've tackled yeah. the bulk uh, <laughs> brush, yeah, yeah. Um, 
You guys want me to yeah. come in here and figure out? Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Anything else so, you got your eye on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my, you know, my one of my big visions uh, for for us as an organization is that um, we 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 produce a tremendous amount of data, right? As an organization, mm. we everything from you know nine one one calls to um, tax revenue and and all everything in between, right? But uh, we don't we don't do a lot of integrating that data together mm-hmm. uh, in a way that helps us make decisions, right? So we have a we have a phenomenal GIS system, uh, your geographic information system that you can look up property information. It's really helpful and it's the best, really, really great. But the question is, how do we integrate all that with mm-hmm. all this other data that we're producing? And so we're doing some cool stuff. For instance, with the fire department right now, um, Chief Wormser and his his team um, are working on doing a sort of a real time collection of, of where, you know, fire and EMS incidents going on all at one time mm. so that we can say, okay, in this census tract in the city, these are the things that are happening. Let's, let's really maybe potentially redeploy our resources to address those things sort of mm. upfront. Um, so I think as an organization, I think what my, my vision is, is that we, we do more projects like that. We have this sort of integrated system or integrated thought process on, how do we utilize the data that we're creating, that we create every day, to make better operational daily decisions that, that improve service delivery? Yeah. Um, that's a big conversation to have, um, yeah. and and we can do it. It's just um, we're trying to find those those nuggets of really great stories where you know um, you know we, we went from um, you know a year ago before the, the fire chief and his team started working on this of you know not really being able to I mean kind of knowing what's going on in the city, but but really, on a real-time basis, we can figure out pretty quickly um, where the where the challenges are um, mm. for where there are fires and where there are um, lots of EMS calls. And so we're using now that data to help us understand what's happening in different parts of the city and different parts of the neighborhood. So we're using that, for instance, uh, we're, we're working on a neighborhood plan in Darrington, the Darrington neighborhood. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're learning about what do the EMS calls look like in that neighborhood. Yeah. And so that tells us then, you know, and, and I we haven't, figured that out yet exactly but you know we, we would know if there's a lot of diabetic calls in that neighborhood well maybe we need to do some diabetic classes in the neighborhood center right mm. at the, at, with parks and rec so trying to really integrate all that that work together and so that's that's sort of my vision on yeah. how how do we improve public policy and our service delivery with the information we already have we harness that data uh, in a way that's thoughtful no i love that yeah so um, maybe that's my crazy idea too right? i think that is your crazy yeah idea. <laughs> Because it's a shift, right? Yeah. Like 50 years ago, it was a town manager walking around town, walking on a porch. What's been going on around here? How can we help? Like, yeah, yeah. That's like yeah. probably a romanticized view of it. But like, it was, you were hearing feedback, yeah. right? And that's what I did 10 years ago as a, man, as a town manager. Yeah, so it's not even that <laughs> yeah. far. Like, you just, hey, what do y'all, what can we do? Yeah. Right? Listening tours. But you're saying, you want to go where a lot of big tech companies are going in terms yeah. of they're able to see things in the data even before, like Google can predict flu outbreaks based off of Google searches yeah, in an yeah. area, right? Like right. You're, that's what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. And you've got a lot of data that, yeah, it's the ability to find the stories in the data. And every day we're producing data, right? Mm. That, that I mean, I mean, huge amounts of data every day. Yeah. That 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 is being used for certain things in different ways, right? Yeah. Um, so that's one of our, you know, I mentioned the Lynchburg plan a few minutes ago that as one of the things we've, that one of our initiatives for next fiscal year is to talk about 
creation of what we call the Center for Urban Analysis. And so we, we think Love about um, um, different parts of the city coming together to, to drive that strategy. Um, I love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I come? Can yeah, right? I be like a fly <laughs> on the wall for this? Yeah. That's great. Um, okay, so two more questions. Sorry, they're both going to be really random. Yeah. One, my wife would not let me leave without asking, how do we get a speed bump? Um, just right out here in front of the street. Yeah, so we um we looked at the application and it's really it's kind of yeah, tough. Yeah, you got to prove like a, it's like a scored application, <laughs> okay. right? Uh, yeah, I actually don't know the answer to that question. I can find out. <laughs> okay, I I, I totally yeah. just ask you and then yeah. you you send somebody right? Like yeah, yeah, we can. Yeah, it'll be in there tomorrow. Right? <laughs> do you get that question a lot? Like, how do I get a? Um, I I don't get the speed bump a lot. Yeah. Um, here I, I haven't other places I've worked, but yeah. Um, People fly. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be like in the yard and I'll shake my fist at them. So generally, oh, yeah. I think generally speaking, we we try to, on thorough, through fairs like this, we yeah. try to not do that stuff. So we, we can do other other traffic calming um, yeah. measures, but I'm sure we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, well, well, we'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll, 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 um, the other question is, I heard a story about um, that some someone had passed away. And that they had been in a morgue for six months because they didn't have any family and nobody knew who they were and they didn't have any money. Mm-hmm. And it was just a story that I heard, right? Like, I don't know if it's true, but it yeah. got me thinking as I've been studying affordable housing, what does happen to someone with no family and mm-hmm. no resources because that's not that happens. Maybe yeah. not as much here as in some big city, but it it does happen. Yeah. So I started asking around, and I asked around to some housers, people who have uh, housing, and you know what happens when someone dies of natural causes in your apartment building, and they have no money to speak of, and they have no family. Like what happens? And they said, I don't know. Yeah. Like we just called the police. <laughs> the police come and they yeah. handle it like yeah. to make sure there was no foul play and then right. they handle it and i'm like okay well what what happens after that yeah like is there a potter's field like what yeah so we still have some spaces in old city cemetery that we we use so you um, know what happens yeah what happens okay. so we i mean so so how is all like how they get from the morgue to there but i don't know but we we do have some uh places in the old city cemetery where we still bury people yeah. uh, that are that have that issue so you guys, the city, do the burial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something we do, we are required to do by state code. Okay. So there's a, I figured there had to be some yeah. rules on it. I was like, I don't know if it's the health department or yeah. what. So you guys, I assume someone who works for the cemetery. Yeah, public works, yeah. Okay. And you cover the cost, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have a line item in the budget somewhere for. I don't know if it says that specifically, but that's what it is covered by that budget, yeah. 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 And have you. And I imagine there's no ceremony, right? Like I don't. Uh, this is so detailed. Yeah, I'm just... I don't. I don't. I don't. I've not been to one. Uh, if there is, yeah. but I can learn that. That's interesting. I should find that out. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm just, but I'm glad that something happens. Yeah. Sure. Right. Like I'm sure you have to wait a while. Can we find family? Yeah. I imagine it's not you or somebody on the phone like trying to find. It's, like, not, you... it's, it's, it's not me. If yeah. I'm supposed to be doing it, I don't know. There's... Right. <laughs> yeah. But. <laughs> It does, they do get taken care of. Yeah. 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 I was just, it, yeah. it bugged me ever since I heard this story. What happened? Yeah. Um, 
So they're at the Old City Cemetery. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. That seems good. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It's a place to be for yeah. eternity, right? Yeah, somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. sorry, that was a really random question. No, no. It's, I mean, you can come up with all kinds of random questions. But that's that. what's interesting to me about what you do, hmm. right? Like the the width like the variety yeah. of things that yeah. come under your purview are yeah. kind of amazing to me yeah it's it's um it's yeah it's data burials speed bumps affordable housing don't forget trash trash yeah. brush like it's yeah. kind of crazy yeah. like you must not be bored no no that's uh, definitely not bored for sure yeah no for <laughs> that's for sure um oh man yeah well, I appreciate the work that you do, and thank you for coming in yeah, and talking with us. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Thank you. I'm so grateful for the work that Reed and the rest of the city staff do to try and make Lynchburg a better place. It's not an easy job. There's a lot of scrutiny. There's a lot of pressure. They get second-guessed a lot. But every one of them that I know just wants to make the city a better place. So be on the lookout for opportunities where you can encourage and support people that lead and serve our city. See you next time.